Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the Common Sense, the podcast. Glad to have you guys all back. Want to welcome Julio Ferrari to the show, man. What's going on? Appreciate it, brother. Absolutely, man. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, and hello to all your listeners tonight. Yeah, man. I'm thrilled to have you on here. I think I might have beat the guys to having you on. So, like, this is really cool. Yeah, you did. You did. It's the first one I'm doing yeah, here. Yeah, so they're going to, like, be giving me lots of shit because I, like, trumped them on this one. Mm-hmm. So, for those of you that don't know yet, with the big expansion going on here at Industrial Cigars, Julio's the new food and beverage director and the executive chef. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, yeah. sir. It's my, look, it's, it's, it's my dream job. I've known the guys for six years um, I used to have a, a, a pet store and later a, a, a bar with a pet store. So we, we created a we created a speakeasy. You walked in, it was a pet store called the Pod Depot, and then the patio in the back. And people could sit down, have a drink, have food for themselves, and then food for the dog was not an afterthought. Food for the dog was all, all French plated. It was all very nicely played. The, the food for the dog looked even better than the food for humans. But both nice. were, were, were great. All of our products came locally or from small business. Um, so I, I prided myself from 20 years in the service industry. And uh, uh, I, I, was, I was raised kind of in the service industry already. <clears throat> and and trained within the more of a European cooking. My my uh, father-in-law owns a restaurant uh, for the last forty-five years, and uh, his family in Brazil, and then his family in Spain and in, in, in Zaragoza, Spain. They uh, they've owned the same restaurant for for ninety years over there. Wow! It's called Jauja, Bar Jauja. Spain is one of my favorite. Countries. Oh yeah! If you're ever in, in if you're ever in Zaragoza, that is the place to go. Zaragoza uh, is right in the middle of Madrid and, and and Barcelona. So if you're going from one or the other, you got to go through Zaragoza, and it's definitely a great stop. It's it's one of those cities that <clears throat> reminds me a lot of uh, uh, like Chicago, where there's a lot of modern, but yeah. there's always the, a lot of antique to, with it. You know, you'll you'll have a, uh, a a big modern building next to a Gaudi. You know, so where I go, the well, before we like dive in, dive in here, we'll get the what you drinking, what you smoking out of the way real quick, because I know you and I are going to go to left field, right field and back again over the next hour or two. So real quick, what we're smoking on right now, uh, we're doing the foreign affair that Luciano partnered with Frankie Coso on and. This is one of my top five sticks. You guys see me smoke this all the time. I absolutely love it. What do you think about it so far? Delicious. Yeah. Delicious. You can't go wrong with it. The this. retro hail is is great. The aftertaste, the first drag. I mean, it's I can't can't talk well enough about the cigar. It's all the way all the way through. And then we have also the limited edition white principle. Um we might get to these. I mean, the rate we both smoke cigars, I'm sure we probably will. So. I think I might be beating you there. Yeah, you're, you're beating me a little bit right now, but that's all right. And then bourbon-wise, I just grabbed a smorgasbord of stuff because I wasn't sure what you like to drink, and we were having a little problems playing phone tag today, so 
We've got a barrel bourbon cast strength here. This is really good. This is what we're both drinking right now currently. Which I just tried, and I like that that aftertaste. It's got this barrel burn. You can yeah. you can feel the barrel burn. It's got the Kentucky kiss <clears throat> on it for sure. Oh, for sure. Kentucky hug there. <laughs> um, Sons of Whiskey, um, the Trinity River Whiskey Cartel. I forgot how good this one was. And I honestly forgot I had this bottle. I got a couple of these when this group dropped this bottle. And I'm not a big High West fan, but I really like that. Um, say less. It's it's pretty solid pour. Let's uh, try And it. then the other one I have here is another oldie. This is probably the first someone say whiskey pick I ever got. And it's a Woodenville. It's the Jimi Hendrix, the Purple Haze. This is a great pour as well. So... That's what we're going to be drinking on tonight. We'll be sipping on that stuff, and these are the sticks we're smoking. So, man. Behind him. Yeah. Might let's well kick this off. <laughs> mm. Well, let's uh, tell everybody a little bit about your background. Like, right. where you're from. Well, I'm Brazilian, originally, from the gorgeous city of Iguazu Falls. Iguazu Falls are one of the seven natural worlds of the world. It's right on the triple frontier of Brazil, Paraguay, and Argentina. Um, and uh, it's, it's where the two biggest rivers in South America join yeah. into those big waterfalls, much bigger than, well, much wider than the Niagara. Uh, more, the ones more you said, like National Geographic when they yeah, do these crazy Yeah, it's, it's crazy beautiful. I mean, I, I get emotional every time I go. And, uh, but at one, I came to America, my dad went to UCLA. He, okay. he uh, uh, was a research scientist and oral surgeon at UCLA. And then at seven, went back to Brazil. But I kept my English because I, I, I both, I went to an American school. And I would come back to the U.S. almost every other year to visit my grandma in Arlington. So I've got family here that immigrated here to Texas. So when I got the opportunity to, to move to Texas through a job in Brazil, I sold everything I had. I was 23 years old. I got up on a plane. And, and I, I was here because, man, I'd be next to grandma, my aunts, my, my uncles, my, yeah. my cousins. And when I got here, I discovered it was an indentured servitude scam. So um, going, going back a little bit, you know, just to explain why is it that somebody who, who looks pretty smart like you would get into an indentured servitude scam? Well, when I went back to Brazil... My, uh, my mother was part of a cult, and I was raised in this cult. And the leader of the cult sexually abused me for many years. He, he was a really big uh, uh, manipulator, um, and, uh, and my mom was the right-hand person to him. She didn't know that there were abuses. She would hear that there were abuses from here or there, never from me. It took me 20 yeah. years to tell her. <clears throat> but... <clears throat> When I came over, you know, I had, I was in depression for many years, suicidal. I, I was fleeing from, I was, I was fleeing from a cult. I fleed the cult at 17, met my wife at 19, always, you know, went to college, but, but never finished three, four different colleges because it, it just wasn't for me. I did three years of, of uh, uh, law school. And uh, then I realized that I was not going to be able to change the world through law. So I decided to go more into the psycho psychological sciences, became a, a behavioral analyst. And uh, uh, that years later here in America. So uh, when I realized all the trauma I had been through 
and, and 20 years of, of taking, you know, medications to just try to survive. I would, I would actually, uh, at the time, I self-medicated with alcohol in ways that I shouldn't have. But today, I've got that, you know, uh, uh, understanding of myself to be able to self-regulate. And that's a really important thing because, you know, uh, uh, alcoholism runs in my family. Yeah. My dad's an alcoholic. I don't ever want to be. I'm never going to destroy my family over alcohol like happened to him. Right. You know, and I think that's very important to talk about is like, we're not self-medicating with this stuff. We are using this as just one, just like we're doing here. Conversational. Yeah. And, and we're, 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 we're actually really understanding what we're drinking. We are appreciating what we're drinking. And that's causing memories that are really intense for us. Yeah. And, it, and that's good for our mind, for our body, for our soul in, in small portions. So, so yeah, you'll, I always tell people, you'll never see me hammered but you'll never see me sober. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, you gotta be, you gotta always, you know, uh, uh, being a chef and, and, and a bar chef, I'm always trying uh, uh, different, you know, drinks all day long, and suddenly you go, ooh, wait a minute, one, one, one little sip at a time, and, and that hits you. <laughs> but, it's like doing a barrel pick. I mean, until you've done one, like, you don't really know, and keeping your palate fresh and not getting wasted while you're trying to do a pick. Yep. You know, like, that's there's an art to that. Like, you can real easily go yep. the other way. And then by the time you get back and you realize what you picked, and you're like, oh, this was garbage. Well, your palate was already trash. Like, learning how to do all that and keeping that stuff together is that's a whole other art. That's why I refuse to drink garbage. Yeah. That's why I refuse to smoke garbage. I just want to eat garbage. I eat extremely well. I drink extremely well. I smoke extremely well. If I'm going to put this into my body, if it's this, if this is a poison, I'm going to put it in my body. Yeah. Let it be the good one. Yeah. <laughs> go with something you like. Yeah, go with something nice. So, so, and and it's all about experience. So, going back to, to my my experience in in um, my behavioral analysis, um, my thesis was actually on uh, uh, it's called um, ID, ID Vix, and uh, it's the world's first scientific protocol to find serial sexual predators that we call dark triad psychopaths in society. And I had to prove it out. A thesis has to prove something. So what I did is I used it to hunt the pedophile that abused me. And today we're 125 victims and we brought him to justice. And he died a week before getting his sentencing, but oh. we knew he was gonna get it. Yeah. We knew he was gonna get it. There was no way out. Well, after all these victims, after all the media exposure, um, and initially when I created this protocol, I didn't think I was going to have to carry it on. I thought I was just going to throw it out there and say, hey, people, this protocol exists. Go ahead and use it. But people were afraid in, in Brazil, where I'm from, they were afraid of doing it because we don't have a First Amendment. So I became their voice. And I created a nonprofit down there that, uh, called Chega de Abuso, which here, it means literally stop abuse. Um, but here, I created one called Expose Abuse. Because the only way for you to stop abuse is by exposing the abuser. So i protected by the First Amendment here and utilizing science. I've never had one case where I was wrong. Never. Because I, I really, really stick to the science of it. 
And uh, so I, I brought over 40 uh, abusers down. Um, one of them, the most famous one, John of God. There's a Netflix uh, a deal about it. So John of God is, uh, 3,000 victims have come forward so far. Wow. He, he was made famous by Oprah internationally. Um, he, some of his clients were, were Nomi Campbell, Bono Vox, Bill Clinton. He, um, and I found a baby trafficking ring linked to that. Uh, and I was working at the time with the Brazil's biggest TV, Lobo TV. And I was the original journalist to, to start investigating this. Because when they started investigating it, they were just going to do a, a, a positive show on them. Suddenly, they start seeing some bad reviews, some red flags. And yeah. I was investigating it for newspaper. And then the TV, which owns the newspaper, came to me and said, look, we want you to do this with us. Because this is not just a newspaper thing. This is a TV thing. How many women do you think will come out? I said, 3,000. And that's exactly what we've got so far. And the DA told the Brazilian public, do not come to us anymore unless you got raped or you got or you were uh, underage or it was in the last six months because we already have enough stories he's already gotten 500 years in prison 3,000 victims dude 40 years doing this 40 years doing this he would see up to 1500 people a day so he had the pick of the litter he had the pick of it he would choose the and he didn't he didn't molest or abuse one Ugly, one overweight, one black, one Asian. He had this modus operandi. He knew what he liked. He liked curves. He liked long hair. Uh, he, he, he liked light-skinned. Um, he didn't ma- m- mind if they were blonde or brunette, but if, if a blonde dyed her, hair or, uh, dyed her hair black to brunette, he would get mad. You know, so he had his quirks, to say the least. And thank God he's, he's in prison now. Right now, he's still, because of his health, he's 83. He's being able to, to live it out at, in home, uh, uh, at home with a, with a uh, what's ankle it called, monitor. an ankle monitor, which is ridiculous. <clears throat> but, but now they've, the DA is requesting that he moves back, even if it's to a, a hospital. But he, need, he can't be eating filet mignon at home. Yeah. So, uh, but that's this kind of stuff doesn't pay. You know, I, I, I became a published journalist. Um, I worked with Brazil's biggest uh, 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 media, biggest uh, um, uh, TV station, the, the biggest magazines. I've got uh, stories that were published on the covers of biggest magazines. But I always did that parallel to service industry because service industry was paying the bills. And uh, when, when my, my business got destroyed by COVID, and right after COVID, we moved the business to, to create the bar and to expand the bar. We were already doing parties there, but we didn't have a proper bar. Now we had a bar, we had a little kitchen, we had the whole thing, and we had a fire on Easter Sunday last year. And after this fire, and we realized that we were paying the, the insurance in the old building, so we weren't insured. So we, man, ups and downs. But I said, you know what? I can't, I, I can't now die at the beach. You know, <laughs> You're, I'm, I'm yeah. already almost there. So I went back behind the bar, behind the bar, sometimes behind the, the, uh, the in the back of the house, uh, but always creating. I started uh, doing, doing uh, consulting for restaurants, restaurants and bars. Where, where, did your, where did your passion for this begin, though? Like, 
as a kid. With the food as a kid. As a kid, as a kid. I I was, first of all, my family cooks. Cooks. My my grandma could have, well, my grandma at one point back in the 80s, she had a a spaghetti manufacturing and a facility. And uh, she passed away a month ago or or two now, but got at 92. So. (laughs) Lived a good life. Lived a great life. And did a lot of different things, but a spaghetti manufacturing is one of the things she had. She could make the world's best pasta. Um, she made, I mean, everything. So I grew up, and, and my mom could cook uh, very well. My dad wasn't bad on the grill, you know. Uh, uh, and then when I got with my, my wife, mind you, at 19, I would go uh, on, in, on in our extended vacations over there, which were uh, New Year's, uh, you know, uh, Christmas and New Year's. That's when our summer is. So yeah. our summer vacations are at the end of the year. So I would go there from like December to February and I would work the kitchen because I always liked the kitchen. And that's where I learned a lot. I learned a ton. And I'm autistic. I've got Asperger's. So when I learn and I get passionate about something, I learn the hell out of it. And I learned, and this is a Spaniard. You know, this is a guy who's, he literally got, was born behind the counter. When I, and I use that word not like millennials and Gen Zers, literally, literally, <laughs> he, he, his mom didn't have time to get to the hospital. Wow. Uh, so so uh, he, he taught me a lot. Um, I, I learned from his staff, too. And then I started work. I had already worked uh, at, at a hotel front of house and, uh, um, and worked. Uh, I started, actually, that was my first registered job at, at 16, even though I start working at, at 13, kind of under the table. But at 16, my first job was as a receptionist at a hotel until I, I was able to move to front of house, which is what I liked. So I always merged. I always had kind of two lives, always merged things. Uh, and uh, uh, I love cooking because it creates a memory. I had some really tough memories, dude. I, I, I got the short end of the stick of how I got raised. But... I, don't, I, I discovered that we all need three Ps to be happy in life. We need purpose, passions, and people. We need purpose to get us up in the mornings, passions to get us through the days, and people to remind us of our purpose and to share our passions with. And uh, one of my great passions is an experience. You know, it's a great experience. I love a great whiskey. I love a great cigar. I love... Uh, uh, a great food, a great dessert, great coffee, great music. Those are things that make me happy. So once you identify that, you are the only one responsible for creating memories for yourself. So you got to go out and you got to seek the places that create the best memories for you. That's what we're going to do over here. Because our memory, our, our bad memories tend to outweigh our good ones. And when you get an, a memory that's so intensely good, you'll never forget it. You can call that positive trauma. That's the name of my book. That's also the name of, of a pilot for a docuseries that we have coming up. And uh, uh, positive trauma talks about exactly this. How is it that we heal? How is it that we create the best memory? So what you guys are going to get over here at the restaurant, at the lounge, at the, is service so great? It's products that you're not going to dislike a product. You know, it's products that we're going we're gonna to give you the best of the best. It's food 
that, that plays with your senses. It's food that pairs with cigars, that create an awe moment. Drinks that, that, that create an awe moment. That moment where you can bring your girlfriend or be all alone and still have the same amount of fun and still have that memory that you won't forget. So that's what positive trauma is and that's how positive trauma, the concept, transfers on to, to our business. It, it, it really hit me in the heart, in the feels, the day, in a positive way. The day I, I got hired and I started my first uh, training session here and the guys had actually added positive trauma to our core values. So it's really important when you find a, a company to find something you love to do. Yeah. You know, the Japanese have a concept called Ikigai, which uh, is is concept that it's a Venn diagram of, of things that make you happy, fake, okay. things that fulfill you. So, so being with good people, you know, toxic people, you got to remove from your life. If the job is nice, but the people, the bosses are toxic and you can't change it, find something better, you know, and, and I, I've been looking for my Ikigai for the last year and a half and I didn't settle for a lot of things. Because I got other, uh, other offers, yeah. but I couldn't settle for those. And, and, and I suffered a little bit financially for that. But I knew that if I looked for Mikey Guy, I'd find it. And I found it here. Because we all think the same. We all are giving great product, great education, great, a great experience. We are all here to give positive trauma to the customer. Yeah, no, the freaks are amazing people. I... I've talked a lot about how much this place means to me and the culture and the vibe that's around here and how surrounding yourself with people like that, I mean, it, that is why this podcast started. You know, this podcast started from me being invited onto the Frake Show and I did it like twice within three weeks and I just fell in love with the concept and then I, you know, sitting around here with other great people like yourself and you know having these conversations and learning so much like i'm so glad you already talked about the eeky guy because like you started telling me about that earlier and i was like whoa save that for the show like i really want to hear about this like so you just went down a road about passion as one of your three p's mm -hmm. purpose now mm -hmm. like how did you i mean you've done a lot of different things which i feel like a lot of people do a lot of people are like they're really good at trying things. And I know a lot of people, myself included, get really frustrated when you, you don't feel like your passions and your purpose are lining up. I'm not, how have yeah. You, how have you got to that point? Because it sounds like you found some of this and some of this magic and put some of that together. Like, how did you tie your purpose and your passion? Well, well first of all, one of my purposes is to make people happy. Yep. It's to pe make people heal, help people heal. And... Uh, I, if I can create positive trauma, that memory, that unforgettable memory, that's going to help them heal. That's going to help them feel included. One of the biggest complaints I hear, um, especially from minorities um, on the in the service industry, is that they don't feel included. They feel that they became a, oh, you know, this guy's not going to tip well or whatever, and and... Well, that, and then I'm going to already treat him with prejudice. And that's still happening in these days in the service industry. And that's something that my culture 
my South American Brazilian culture does not allow. Our, our, for us to get a job over there, sometimes we can go to, I went even here 16, 18 months without having a, a, a job. I was, I, granted, I was consulting, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough. Right. You know, and, and I was getting a lot of no's as well. It's not easy. The job market isn't easy here. Imagine how it is in South America. So what happens is then there becomes a culture of, I cannot lose this job. Over here, there's a, a lot of, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Attitude. Especially from a younger crowd. Yeah. That, you know, that didn't get that 1980s, early 1990s culture of, because we, we had, we used to have great service in this country. Yeah. And I do think that it's coming back. I go to some places in Vegas, and I think that those places in Vegas, uh, 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 I can pick and choose. But it, a few years ago, it wasn't that way anymore. Yeah. And now it's coming back. I saw that in, in, in New York, where New York has, was known for being a little rough. Now, now, now everybody's kind of like just, you're, it's, they're giving me a lot better service. Chicago, amazing service. So, so uh, uh, Dallas has been behind in this giving good service uh, 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 arena. And I think that that's a, a, a pity, but that's what it, we're here to do. We're here to inspire. Because once we open and we're giving that level of service and people are impressed and people are saying, holy crap, this is good. This is, oh, this exists? How many people have told me in, in different times where, where I was either a server or a bartender or, or the owner, I had my club, I had a club in, in downtown Dallas, some solo club, and it was a pop-up club. We were there for six months. Now we pop up in different locations, still looking for a location, but we had this amazing, amazing high-end club where, where uh, 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 Lockwood Distillery was my, my, my well. So, you know, we, we, I pride myself in everything I do, always going small business, as local as possible. And if there's not a local or if I need to go outside of, of Dallas, I'll go to Texas. If I need to go outside of Texas, I'll go to the Southwest and then I'll go to America before I go international. Right. You know, and if I go international, believe you me, it will still be a small business because I was a small business owner my entire life. Yeah. So we, we have to do that or else we're hypocrites. That's common sense. Yeah, that absolute common sense. What, where, where do you think your drive was instilled in you for these things to like, I mean, you've obviously had tremendous hardships. I mean, you've, you've dealt with abuse and you've worked in that arena, which I mean, I think it's because you're familiar with it. You know, it, it allowed you opportunities to help others and it's created this atmosphere for you so where where did you tie this all together and and kind of find that for yourself because you you seem very driven you've been able to get past a lot you know like a, a lot of things you know we talked about this last week when we had a navy seal on here and we've talked about with a lot of like special forces guys stuff like you know like i have a bottle that i drink with with these guys it's a special pick from kill 22 um, mm. 22 kill. Yep. And you know, they all sign it. And we talked about one of the funniest thing. It's what they all write on the box. When I ask them to sign a box or the bottle, it's like, take the shot. Just take the shot. Don't quit. 
Yeah. And, you know, and to me, it sounds like you've had a lot of opportunity in your life to throw in the towel, to quit. Yeah. And you've never done that. Like, where does that drive? Well, what, what do you tie that to? I think that it's a, a few different things. First, my parents were immigrants. My parents went through a lot of racism and never, never put their heads down. My dad's thesis in college was stolen. He went out and did a better thesis. You know, he, he, he always taught me gumption. You know, we, we used to have these uh, uh, talks. I was five years old living in Los Angeles. And uh, uh, he would put a word, the word of the day, on top of the kitchen door. And uh, so every time I went through, I had to repeat the word of the day. And gumption was one that stuck with me. Because I would take it with, my, with me my entire life. Um, I kind of feel that my, my life has been... Uh, um, Sisyphus. I've lived the life of Sisyphus. Every time that I get almost to the top, that stone rolls down. But I also feel that that it's about to, to I'm about to put it there. You know, um, we, you know, I, I, I think that part of it was learned and part of it was, was I realized that I, I love life. I want to, I want to excel in life. You know, I have three amazing kids. I've been married for almost 25 years now. Um, I, I have, my kids are my life. I've got, dude, I can't even tell you. Like, like my 11-year-old my just the other day, last week, made me a poke bowl to, to bring to work. You know, she's like, oh, daddy, is your kitchen ready? I said, no. So what are you going to eat? I said, oh, I'll probably get a taco next door. She goes, no, 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 let me make you lunch. And I had 11. Yeah. She just got into sax, playing the sax, too. I saw you it, post that. Oh, dude. I, and I am a sax player, so I'm so proud. Um, the, uh, uh, the middle one, he wants to be a white, hack, a white hat hacker. He wants to protect people from being scammed. And uh, the oldest one, he just got his first job. He's working at Starbucks, loving it. Probably just got his little first love interest right now. Ah. Uh, 16. Yeah. He just passed me in height. Okay. And uh, he's, he's the, the one that came out looking like my grand, my, my stepdad. And, uh, or not, not my stepdad. I'm sorry. My, my, that would have been weird. Uh, my my father-in-law, my father-in-law and my grandfather both had blue eyes and curly hair. So he came out curly hair, blue eyes, kind of a James Dean. That kid's going to be, oh, yeah. And then, uh, uh, and, and of course, my wife, we've been together for tw- almost 25 years. Life just That's gets awesome. better. I tell my kids, look, we, we went through a rough year this last year because of all the losses we had. And then we lost our dogs also out of old age. But it yeah, was just I'm like. I'm sorry to hear you lost your uncle recently. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, he, was in, he wasn't a blood relative, but I called him uncle because he was yeah. my dad's best friend, Mansoor. And I, I did a little poem for him there. That was um, awesome. Beautifully. He was, too. yeah, I had a lot of my firsts over there, you know. And look, I've got a tattoo here that says acceptance because acceptance is the last stage of grief so everybody's going to go through denial negotiation uh, um, depression uh, anger depression and acceptance so if you know that when you're faced with 
a problem, a, a big traumatic issue. You lost your job. You lost a, 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 a relative. You got divorced. Whatever it is, that's trauma. You're going to go through these five stages. So knowing that, I try to go through them as fast as possible or even jump stages. Because that's the smart thing to do. That's the common sense thing to do, is suffer less. And that suffering is only in your hands. It's in nobody else's. Yeah, you have to take control of that shit. You take control of the acceptance, and because acceptance can be immediate. You know, like, uh, uh, and it doesn't mean you're not going to cry, you're not going to feel sad. It's just, oof, give that old ugly cry, breathe in, and say, what's the new reality? I think that the, the worst thing I've ever seen in my life was a, a, one great friend of mine who lost his six-year-old in a tragic and, and stupid uh, carbon monoxide accident at a boat. She, they, were, they were in Lake, I think, Minnetonka up in Minneapolis, and uh, they got in, in this boat that they always took. It was a friend's boat, and the girl went downstairs to take a nap and, uh, t- and said, hey, call me when we... When we passed this thing, because it was her favorite thing to see, and then um, she just didn't wake up. And, and it was a car- carbon monoxide poisoning. And both parents are doctors. Now, if you ask me what's the most, one of the most traumatic things I've seen in my life, it was seeing that little girl get buried. Because no father, no mother should have deserved to get that, yeah. to see, to, to, for that to happen with them. So, so then Ben, uh, when, when after we had food, we laughed, we cried, um, I, 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 he looks at me and says, well, it's time to go. I have to see, I have to live my new reality. I have another boy, another kid. I have to live a new reality. And that's what he went and did. And he's an excellent father. Um, and and, and that's, that's what we have to do is the earlier we, we get to acceptance, the better. Now, I actually go a step further, and I say that there's a sixth level to true uh, healing, and the sixth level is gratitude. And you can be grateful for where you went through. Now, let me say, let me explain that. I'm not happy I was abused. I'm not happy I don't have a relationship with my mom, but I'm grateful that everything happened the way it did because it made me the, the man I am today. And I love the man I am today, brother. Yeah. I'm a great father, great husband. I have the best job in the world, found my guy. So that's what we got to focus on because if we focus on all the bad things we went through, we'll never be able to see our guy. It's going to be right in front of us, but we're going to be blinded by the, 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 the film going on in our minds of the old memories. So can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, maybe break that down for people a little bit. Like, what was the process now that, of you finding your guy? Like, how, how, do you, how do you, if someone out there is watching this and they're like, man, I, I, I don't, I have all these passions, I can't align them with my purpose. Uh, you know, or my job, maybe my job pays me really well, but I'm not completely happy. You know, all the things that people go through out there that haven't found that for themselves. So like, where do you, where would you advise, you know, if your son came to you with that and mm-hmm. was like, hey dad, how, how did you figure that out? Like what, what were the steps you took to finding your guy? Like exposure and courage. 
It's, you gotta have, you cannot have the fear of, uh, uh, of making a mistake. You just have to fail fast. Fail fast. That's the secret of it. Expose yourself, don't have the anxiety of, oh, uh, this is new exposure, I'm scared of failing. Don't be scared of failing. You will. Just fail fast. Yeah. And don't beat yourself over it. I tried things that I wasn't good at and that I obviously said, okay, this is not for me. I did a phlebotomy course. Because <laughs> I always loved blood and surgery because my dad was into that. And I was like, ah, oh, you know what? That might be good for me. That's one thing I'd never try. No, no. The amount of, of uh, no, I just don't. It wasn't for me. But guess what? As soon as I realized it, I failed fast. Check Next, off. check, let's go. I went to law school. You know, I went for two years because uh, I switched colleges, had to start. So I went technically for three years, but it was, it was just the two years of the program. So, so uh, uh, I failed fast. I actually, that was a little slow two years. I should have gotten out earlier. But... I could have spent a whole, I could have gone the whole program, but I, I realized, and I would, I would think about it in my mind, my God, if this is my day-to-day, when I graduate, I'm going to hate my life. Absolutely. I'm not going to be able to do this. So then I started just looking, when I, when I learned Ikigai, um, I, I realized that you got to look for only for the things that will make you happy but expose yourself to the things that you think may make you happy. That's important. How do you know it's not going to make you happy if you don't try it? Yeah. If you have that little itch, go scratch it. It's okay to fail. It's okay to not be good at it. I've tried a, a, a handful of things that I wasn't great at and that didn't bring me happiness. That I said, okay, I know, I know how to fix this. I know where to go. I, I, I had a, a bunch of sales jobs that came to me that I know I wasn't going to be happy at. Car sales. I needed the money. And look, I would have done it if push comes to shove. But I would have been miserable. Construction. I had a construction company for 10 years. I was miserable. I, I, my wife is an architect, so we're really good at finishing and, and, and planning out and doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the only way to get into that was having your own construction company back then. I worked five years for Coca-Cola, designing and building, and, and then I had a pool company also. So I was always into various things. Today, it was consulting and construction. You know, if somebody wants to open a restaurant, open a bar, open a nightclub, I have a different kind of brain. I've got the, the McDonald's kind of brain of, of how to make a flow, flow, how to make things practical, because I have a visual mind and I can actually see the problems that can happen. I can play through them. And I've lived through them. I've lived through some of, one of the worst design, some of the worst design kitchens out there. So, especially through that, out this last year and a half. So I, you know, I did something when I realized, okay, I like doing this. I just gotta do this more. And, and, and you, you can't be lazy. You gotta go out and grab it. You gotta go out and get it. You know, if your ship has if you if you think your ship has sailed has sailed, rent a jet ski. Yeah, try rent, another avenue. Try another avenue. See what's the next 
What's the next time that it's going to be there? You know, don't just sit there and lament and cry over it. Look, go after a new opportunity. You're not going to get it sitting down at home. You're not going to get it just, you know, smoking a cigar or drinking whiskey. Now, you can have some good ideas, but with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you can sit and Amazing talk ideas. about it. But you, you really need to go after your, your, your ikigai. And, and don't be afraid. I have a good, a good friend of mine who, he's a, a, a guy that, that actually made me realize that it was possible. He was an uh, airline pilot. I can't remember what he was before being an airline pilot, but he was something like a software engineer or something. Then he became, at, in his 30s, an airline pilot. Got tired of that 10 years later. And then he became a photographer. And he, and he went from being successful to even more successful to even more successful. Today he's got this amazing photography studio here in, in Frisco. So, so uh, 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 right out of photography. And I mean, it, it, it's that kind of person. Like there yeah. are, you know, it's not trying to, be, what, what people don't realize is there, there's the saying that, oh, you can be, um, what is it? Um, you can be a master of, uh, ma uh, master of, what, what's the saying again? Master of many things, but only, gosh, now if you. I, now I totally lost yeah. it. But, but the, what, uh, master of all, but, but, uh, 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 um, of all trades, but a master of all. Yeah. I'm just, I, I can't English right now. <laughs> so, but what they forget to, to, to see is that says, but it's better to be uh, uh, good at all, but master at none. Yeah. The people are going to have. Good at a the, lot of things, yeah. but not a master of all. Hmm. Like. But you end up, if you focus on certain things on your hyper focuses, on what you may really be good at and what brings you happiness, you're gonna end yeah. up through repetition becoming really good at it. And if you do it with heart, with, if you do it, especially in the service industry where I know that we're gonna have some jackasses come over here and once in a while we're gonna have an issue. Well, guess what? I know also as a behavioral analyst that this is not personal. Yeah. That, you know, a anybody can walk through here with any kind of motive, pre preemptive, you know, mindset because, hey, that you may be having your best day, but that person's having their worst day. Their worst day. And they're just looking at some way of getting that out. Or, or they already know, for example, that they have a, uh, uh, they've had such bad experiences at other restaurants yeah. that they're already expecting a bad experience. So one different look, one thing that might be in their mind, and they already flip. Yeah. It took a little longer because we had a few orders. Your acai is not purple enough. Yeah, you know, or it's too cold. Or, you know, If you're like actually that. watching this, I'm going to give you a little secret because I just found out this is going to be one of my new... This just elevated how much I love this place because I was just told he's going to have acai here. Oh, yeah. Those of you that truly know me know that is like my favorite dessert in the entire world. And if my older brother does not get me a like gallon jug of this with his next order, I might not speak to him through Christmas. <laughs> no, so. and, I, and I'm not just going to have it as a dessert. I'm going to have it as a palate cleanser. I'm going to have yeah. it as a breakfast because we're also going to have breakfast here. So... It's, it is, it is a, a hearty bread. It's something that I want to attract also the healthy crowd. 
to come yeah. over here, have an acai in the morning before you go to the gym, and then after the gym, come and have a cigar. You know, yeah. and, and after work, come and have a drink and a cigar. Balance things Balance in life. life. Balance life out. You don't have to, every time you walk in here, get hammered. You know, you, you, we have other options. We have other things. And we're going to have some, some, uh, uh, some uh, uh, mocktails for, for the people that don't drink. Yeah. And my mocktails are famous. Like, I, I've worked at places where I became the official and official mocktail master. Every single mocktail that came in, I build it like a dessert. I build it like something nice and that people will appreciate. And I'm not, when I say dessert, I don't mean sweetness level. I mean just the experience of having something that you're not just going to drink like soda. It's thick. It's creamy. It's, you know, it's got a, a, a body to it. Like any of you that have ever heard Brandon Frakes sell something or heard Brandon when he's in Brandon's zone and he is like describing things. Nobody can do that like Brandon. Like I'm sure you've experienced oh, this yeah. already. And what we used to joke about and what's funny here, when they would hire somebody new, uh -huh. they would obviously go through levels of training. You knew the day that they spent with Brandon because they would try so hard to like tell you about a cigar in the uh -huh. way Brandon would. And if you, it would be like you telling me about a cigar. I can't tell somebody about a cigar the way you would, mm -hmm. and vice versa. Brandon's another level because Brandon can like he'll turn it into like you remember that time your grandmother was making biscuits and gravy and you know and it's like it's so authentic and it's so real and he's so passionate about it that you get caught up in that, like, you know, like, that well, you try I, I, to... I appreciate the, compa the comparison. I'm but honored. But you are literally, like, I feel like if Brandon could have, like, tried to sell everybody on what he wanted for you and your position, <laughs> that you are, like, the exact vision of that. Well, and, like, dude... Like, everything that they... Because you have the same energy, you're passionate about the same things... You, you care about the experience and the moment and the memory, which I think is that X factor around here where this is not like every other cigar lounge. Like, no. And I, I'm sorry if this is your first experience at a cigar lounge. You're going to be no. ruined. ruined it, it was for me. And the first couple that I went to after that, I was just like, and I mean, I'm not tooting the horn just because I'm a member here and that I, I'm here. That's the honest to God truth. Like I challenge any of you to like, Come experience ICC and one of the events here or something. You can be my guest if you'd like. Hit me up. But you, you wouldn't be surprised at, like, what the difference is. Like, we talk about customer service being dead. Yeah. Customer service is the farthest from dead at ICC. Oh, no. Like, no. Everybody I don't care here. who works here. They all treat you with the utmost respect. They're all trying to help. They're asking about you, your day. They remember your name. They remember the little things. Or, oh, you had a bad week last week, and, you know, this and that happened, but you were really hopeful about this prospect of X, Y, Z. And then the next week you come in, and they're like, hey, man, how'd that turn out? I mean, like, I'm in sales, and I have trouble remembering some of that stuff, you know? But, like, yeah. everybody up here is like that. So I think that's really cool, man. Like, I... I 
from what I know of you and about you so far, like, yeah, I think you found what you're looking for. No, it's, it's I can't wait dude. to see what you bring to all of this. Like, that's oh, experience. Super cool. Experience, culture. You know, I've traveled the world. Um, Brazil is a very interesting place. Anybody in this podcast that ever wants to go to Brazil, hit me up, come over here, and, and I'll tell you where to go, what to experience, because Brazil is... I want to go with you and my older brother now. Oh, bro. Like, yeah. I, I want to go see his little area, and I want to go see your area. Do you know where he's wanna... from, That where, where his wife is from there? Oh, man, I should know this. Dean, if you're listening or watching this on here, pop something on there. Like, at some point, they will be. I'll, I'll find out for you. Yeah, because... But they... it's real close. Like, I don't think they're far from Rio. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm, I am, well, I lived for many years in Curitiba, which is this, the capital of the state, but I was, I was born in the Iguazu Falls, and uh, uh, my wife was raised there at the Iguazu Falls, but born in Porto Alegre, which is way further south. So you got to understand that the south of Brazil is closer to the South Pole than it is to the equator. Right, all right, say that again. It's closer to the South the Pole. The south of Brazil... Is closer to the South Pole than to the equator. That's amazing. So, so we get a lot colder weather. So over there, and I was always a foodie. I mean, food is one of my love languages. I I, I cooked the first meal to my parents when they were when I was eleven. You know, and I and when I felt that that was a way I could get their attention and their love because uh, uh, my dad my dad was he wasn't a bad dad. He was just a neglectful dad for many years, an alcoholic. And, and, a, and a workaholic. My, my mom, I've got mixed feelings on that. But, but I, I, I was left at home alone a lot. And I became, and, and anytime I was with my grandmother, I got force fed. My grandmother was a psychopath. She was the first psychopath in my life. I got beat up. I got, she, look, I'm, wow. like, it was bad. Like, she would grab me by the, the, the hair and throw me against the wall. Like, uh, um, she wanted me to be a girl, hated me for being a boy. So, so today, looking back, I can see... That's the, odd in Brazilian culture, too, right? It is. It is. Very odd. Very odd, but... And this is part of much, my... Macho, much machismo. Yeah. This is part of my, my, uh, my book, actually. Um, and I just haven't finished this part because I still... I'm a DNA test away. But I have reasons to believe my mom is not the, the daughter of my grandfather, so that's one of the reasons my mom was singled out as a child and suffered a lot with my grandma. Because my, my mother was the only daughter who, it, who, who suffered. Everybody else was treated great. She was singled out. And I was singled out. And I was a single child for many years. So, and my grandmother was, when I say she was a psychopath, she, she was actually, uh, uh, it's what we would call a, a uh, um, uh, uh, not complex, a... Uh, a cluster B personality disorder. That's what female psychopaths usually are. And they don't go... What does that mean? So cluster B, they're, they're usually, they'll have uh, a cluster of personality disorders together. Okay. So in, in, for males, that cluster is usually narcissism. So uh, um, uh, makeivalism. So they... They really look for, they, they plan their crimes. So, for example, uh, um, um, no priest becomes a pedophile because they haven't had sex in 30 years. No, you know, pedophiles become priests. 
but they also become pastors, doctors. They look for where they're going to be able to have. You know, you'll, you'll have very few pedophiles that are, are you know, uh, uh, mathematicians. <laughs> they're, yeah. Unless they become a teacher. Okay. You know, uh, but, but they're, they're usually in the places that they know that they're going to get access. Teachers, priests, pastors, that kind of stuff. And then, of course, the familial ones. But, but um, uh, so, the, and the third one is uh, uh, they, they pass what we call the 20, 20 questions of Hare. Dr. Robert Hare was a Canadian scientist that created the 20 questions that if you pass 15 of those, if 15 of those 20 are positive, you're a psychopath. And, and for females, that adds a, a few different things. Females can't, may not... Uh, have uh, uh, as many physical or sexual uh, 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 victims, but they go much more into the psychological mental. abuse, the mental abuse, and the financial abuse. And uh, so, and a lot of them will have, and what one of the things that defines cluster B personality disorder is. Uh, um, uh, uh, bo- uh, not borderline. Um, um, Jesus, uh, BPD. Uh, it's um, BPD is. Gee, I forgot now. But uh, bo- uh, not a lot. Not a lot of them have borderline. But they have BPD. Um, and bipolar disorder. No, no, it's not bipolar. Or sorry, it's borderline. It's it's borderline. It's I, I was thinking bipolar, but no, it, it's borderline. Borderline personality disorder. So they'll have borderline personality disorder. They will project. What does that mean? They live in the borderline of truth and reality. They project a lot of things and live that as if it's truth. Um, I just met a guy who, whose uh, uh, ex-wife was saying that he was going to he he was uh, uh, abusing his daughter. Man, that's a big thing to make up. But she was living as if it was true. He got investigated. They saw that it was a lie. She got arrested. He's lucky. That yeah. Happen a lot. Oh, yeah. But his life became hell for six months. He couldn't see his daughter. Yeah. So borderline personality disorder, people with cluster B, they're willing to call CPS on you, call the cops on you, destroy your life without even thinking of the implications that that can take on their own lives. And, uh, and that was my grandma. My grandma was, and she was a scam artist on, uh, uh, she was reading tarot and, and reading cards and uh, uh, talking to the spirits and all of that. And that's how we got introduced to this, this cult. And the cult was uh, um, much like uh, uh, seances and talking to the dead, talking to dead spirits, the, and, and, uh, uh, and bringing messages from the dead to the desperate over there while people were giving donations. Wow. Does this, and sorry if it doesn't, but I, I, I've got my curiosity because I'm fascinated with a lot of the old medicines in South America, so I like ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Do they prey on that? Is that one of the things? I have investigated kind of people who have, okay? Yeah. Ayahuasca like any other medicine, can be misused. Right. You can misuse aspirin. Yeah. Um, To answer completely honestly one of your first questions, 
what was what helped me heal? Yeah. Ayahuasca was one of those things. Remember I said I, I was 20 years taking antidepressants yeah. until I took ayahuasca for the first time. And that changed my life. So, so yes, shamanism has become a big part of my life since. Um, I had the luck that my uncle was a, a, a big shaman. He was a big, a very well-known ayahuasca brewer. And uh, I never really had a lot of contact with him last 20 years. Um, and he was very to himself. Um, and I was too Christian to ask. You know, for, 20, for the last 15 years I had been, uh, before I had my, my, my true awakening there, I, I, was, I, was, I always thought, oh my God, this is, it, 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 it must be the devil or, you know, because we're taught yeah. that. But then when I realized that, wait a minute, the indigenous people have been using that for 7,000 years. Yeah. They, and this has and kept it was them, a rite of passage. It is. And, I mean, and you want to hear, that's crazy you use that word. As soon as my uncle passes this on to me, he passed away. He passed away. Dude, it was almost like that. What's what's he was wait, what he was waiting for? Yeah. And uh, uh, and and Uncle Tony was a very special man. He he was a. He, this is not a guy who was raised with the indigenous people. He was a network engineer who worked for the one of the world's biggest uh, uh, civil engineering companies, and he was bringing cables and stuff like that uh, and setting up systems for hospitals in the middle of the Amazon when he had ayahuasca for the first time and then for four years he lived with the indigenous people. At that point, he was living with them, working through the day, but at night he would come back to the tribe. He would learn their rights. And then he, he started understanding all the rights over there and, and that's in his, in his, he was already probably in his 40s when he started this. And he very soon became, he understood the science behind it because he was a scientist. He understood the science, bettered it, made it pure, uh, uh, brought standards to it. And that's what he taught me. It's, it, these are cooking standards. This is food. But it, so you've got to cook it with the, that, that food safety in mind, which is a lot, of the problem, a lot of the problems that they have down in South America. People getting too sick because people preparing it are doing it with their hands, no gloves, no washing hands, no, and then they, they blame the medicine. But it's not always the medicine. And it's also the lack of preparation. A lot of people say that ayahuasca, you'll, you'll throw up, you'll, you'll crap yourself, all of that. You may, but it's all in, it, it, a lot of it is in your court because if you eat like crap for the, that week before, you will tend, your, your body needs to purge. It's purge. So, so if you start eating well, eat some mushrooms, uh, uh, eat, 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 you know, uh, eat, well, eat clean, then you will feel less of it. And the more of the medicine you take, the less you feel, the less you, 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 you feel sick until your body completely purges. But, and then at one point, you just don't feel sick at all because your body purged everything. And, and, and ayahuasca makes you smarter like, about your choices. I, like before I do ayahuasca, I'll go two weeks without alcohol. I'll go two weeks with the only tobacco I'll have is mapacho. Mapacho is indigenous tobacco, and that's the only one that they use ceremoniously. So that's the only one I have two weeks before. And after I do ayahuasca, I, I, I can't drink for about a month. 
I just don't feel like it. Wow. That's powerful. That's, that's something I think you and I had a little short conversation about when we first met. Oh, yeah. Is that something me and my younger brother plan to do together? Uh, something we've been saving to do oh, yeah. together. And I'm highly looking forward to that. I, Peru, Brazil, you know, some parts of Colombia, uh, uh, Venezuela. But, but today I, w- I would go either to Peru, Brazil. Uh, Mexico also has some interesting uh, ones. Or Costa Rica, too. Costa Rica. I, th- I think Peru would be my choice, though. Yeah, probably. Have you ever done like the darkness retreats or any of that stuff too? No, I have not. Um, I, I honestly, I healed so fast with what I did. Another thing that, that helped me heal a lot was Kumbo. Kumbo is a, a, a frog uh, excretion. Okay. It's, the, it's not a venom. It's like the 5-DMEOT. No, no. It's, it's actually uh, an, exc- there are 80 different, um, uh, not amino acids, but uh, um, peptides. 80 different peptides in there. And you, you make a little tiny, you know, it's like almost a tiny burn on your skin with a little stick. And that tiny burn, you scrape the little skin off of there. It doesn't, barely hurts. And, and then you put the, the, the frog's excretion on there. And when you do it, first three minutes, you're going to feel really nice, warm, but then you're going to purge. But it's a spiritual purge too. It, it really cleanses you out. You're going to feel in 15 minutes and then 15 minutes go by, the shaman will wipe it off. 15 minutes later, you're going to feel like you ran a marathon. So you're going to have to take a nap. But after you wake up from the nap, man, especially the next day, you feel like you took a testosterone shot. You know, you're going to feel like you're, oh my God, what, what just went on here? Um, and, and it's all those peptides. Peptides are the chains, that, the links to the chain that creates the amino acid. So, so you're getting a surge of peptides that is creating all new chains to create the amino acids that you don't get anywhere else. You cannot create this in laboratory. And, and, and look, the, for, for all the, the tree huggers out, out there, the frogs love the extra, extraction. You, you got to massage them. It's not a, they don't hurt. You don't hurt. No frogs hurt during this <laughs> thing. Yeah. You know? and same with, uh, with, with, uh, um, uh, with uh, 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 the, the smoked version. Mm-hmm. You know, that one, um, you, uh, Bufo, we were ta- you were just talking, describing Bufo. Yeah, 5-D. So, yeah, 5-D. So, Bufo is, uh, uh, that's the smoked version of it. And that's a, a, a analog to DMT, which is what is found in ayahuasca. And uh, uh, DMT, uh, that one is, is very different, though, because it, DMT is a 5 to 10 minute um, journey. Yeah. And uh, it, will, it will throw you into a different world. And it'll feel like 30 minutes. While um, Bufo, it's a 20-minute journey, but it'll feel like two minutes. You won't remember a lot of it, but your body will be healed. Your mind will be healed. Um, And uh, uh, the feeling afterwards is more important than what you feel through it. But it feels really good. It's just really short. 
And I, if I hadn't watched the video of me going through it, I wouldn't have believed it. I wouldn't have believed that it took 20 minutes because it, it just felt like I closed my eyes and, and when it, like I was being covered by spiritual blankets, opened them, and I had my shaman just playing little bells on top of me and uh, saying, so how was it? I felt like, oh, this was short, but wonderful, you know, but very short. She goes, yeah, no, this was 30 minutes. Yours was longer than any, anybody's I've seen. You, and, and then going in, she said, you have a lot to heal from, so this is going to be a big journey. And, uh, and, and it's, it's a really interesting thing. And, and these are all things, again, that they're, they're being used for, for and we're not saying we're recommending this to everybody either. No, like, no, uh, no. By no, all means, no. too, like, for those of you listening, like, do your research. Like, we talked a little bit about this earlier. There's good and bad ways to do this, just like they're showing with psilocybin yeah. and LSD and mushrooms and all that stuff. I mean, they're healing PTSD and stuff with this now. But that's in a setting where you're sitting with a therapist or a shaman Somebody that is qualified oh, to okay. take care well, of you. And, and, and let me tell thing. you this. This is part of my book. So one of the things I'm doing is I have always gone to my doctor while I'm doing all of this. And the funny thing is my doctor's a Mormon. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he wasn't really excited about it at first. But one day, five years in, he about a year or two ago, um, he comes to me and says, look, we need to talk. I've never seen uh, uh, one of my patients do as well as you're doing. What are you doing? Now, now, I'm, now I want to hear the science behind it. And he knows I'm doing the science. I mean, I've, there's a thesis on my healing. I was part of a, a, an actual study. I, 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 when I started doing this, uh, I'm too, you know, I was too old and, and, and too, too brown <laughs> to do it wrong. I wanted to do it right, you know, because yeah. I, if, I, if I do anything outside, people already look at me the wrong way. So, so I needed to do this in a, in a really... Damn beards. Well, dude, oh, I got, I got stopped at the, the airport with rubber <laughs> gloves so many times. But I, uh, um, so, so I started doing it in a real scientific way. I said, look, I learned. My mom is, is a, she, she uh, specialized in, in uh, scientific method. My dad is a scientist. I had to, I had that upbringing. So I had to do it in a very scientific way so I could show people that it wasn't just me getting high. It, it's, look, I've really healed from so much trauma. And, I, and it's authentic. You can see and hear it. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're, I mean, I've personally not experienced this yet out of the 40-something podcasts I've done where someone can so calmly talk about such horrific, horrible things happening to them and truly feel like they're sharing it so others know that they can, they can get there too. And that you have that positive outlook. And like you said, the acceptance, you know, like that it doesn't feel like you're trying to convince people that you're okay. Oh, no. You know I'm trying I mean? to help like, people heal. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like that comes across very genuinely because. Appreciate that. You can tell when somebody is still trying to heal. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I just watched somebody that a good friend of mine did a podcast with 
or got them on a podcast and I watched him and he's in that healing process. Not same thing we're great. talking about. Amazing. That's great. Good Amazing. So happy to see him going down that road. Amazing. Yeah. But watching the podcast I watched recently, you could tell he's still not there yet. Mm-hmm. Like he's still going down that road. Like mm-hmm. and it, it some of the podcast came off as being ingenuine because he wasn't ready for all that he was asked. And look, I was I was thirty six when I can really say I started healing. I'm forty four now. It was, it's been a journey, you know, uh, uh, the same podcast five years ago and I'd be sobbing over here. Yeah. But I've helped so many people through my, my nonprofit. Yeah. Um, I'm writing a book called the first 300, which is the first 300 victims of intense trauma that I've interviewed. And, and what I noticed was, which was a surprise to me. 70% 70% of them had healed or were really well into the path of healing. Yeah, they're on their way. They're on their way where you know, you're like, okay, I'll, I'll see you in a couple of years. Kids' gloves don't have to stay on right now. Yeah, exactly. Like we're a little past that. I like that analogy, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're where I know they're not suicidal. They're not, they're, they're seeing a therapist. People, see a therapist. I can't tell you how, be, how good therapy is and, and like, a lot, the problem, I see that one of the biggest problems is either people think that therapists are only for crazy people and that's a lie, or they tried the therapist once or twice, they didn't get a good one, so they say, ah, I'm not going to try this again. We see that, that a lot with cigars. How many times do you see somebody say, oh, I tried a cigar, but it was really, you know, I didn't like it, so I don't like cigars. Spirits is the same way. Spirits the same way. I can't tell you how many bottles I've opened up and gone, whoo, that's not for me. And then it goes back on the shelf and it sits there because I've opened it. And then another night I'll go back and go, "Eh, let's give that another try. Well, now that bottle's opened up a little bit. It's stories kind of starting to come out. And now you taste it again and go, hmm. But some of that can be the mindset you went into it with. Yeah. If you're having a shitty day and you open up something new and you were expecting... It's not your go-to, but you were trying to go to that place, and you open it up, and it doesn't take you to that place, or it doesn't give you those memories yeah. when you first taste it, or maybe the taste of or it maybe, gives you a bad memory. Maybe you just ate a Twix. Yeah. You know, you just ate a Snickers, and yeah. that was not the right thing to eat with that because it was too pity. Or you had so, spicy food for lunch. Yeah. And, and you, you got, got a really hot bourbon, you know? Like, yeah. It's going to mess you up. You've got to be able to really tie the different flavors in. You've got to be able to and understand that when you open a bottle like that, it's going to be different than six months from now. So, so that's, yeah, that's exactly it, man. That's, How did, that's a good analogy. Let's talk about flavors. I like that. That's a good little transition there. Yeah. So when I, I'm big on barbecue and grill, stuff like that. I like to cook, but I don't like to just be in the kitchen like, on the stove or in the oven, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm more a grill smoker, that kind of thing. But I like to play with flavors, different, making my own rubs, combining rubs, taking things I like. Like I'll buy somebody's rub just to see what do I like about this? What do I not like about it? Yeah. And then I try to break down the ingredients as much as I can to figure out what it is that I like in that. Perfect. So how do, how do you approach flavors? Because you approach it. My understanding so far is that you approach it from a, I want to create a memory. 
I want to create this. So where does that tie into flavor profiles for you? Like, and you've obviously traveled a lot, which I think makes for a very unique profile. Because I think well-traveled people have experienced more and they have these different profiles to fall back on. Yep. And it's like when you make that one and you didn't write down that rub. You know what I'm talking about? Like you, everybody's yeah. done that. Anybody that yeah. cooks that. No, it's happened. You just it's get in happened. there and you start playing, and it's the greatest thing it's you've happened. ever made. It's happened. And then you can't recreate it. It's happened. It's happened. And I've, I've, I've had that, that you know, oh, now it, take, it took me uh, one time I made this, this marinade, and it took me two freaking years to get back to it because I had to remember that it wasn't just a, a uh, orange jam that I had used. It was a specific brand of an orange jam. And then when I finally found that brand again, I was I realized it wasn't orange, it was tangerine. <laughs> so you're like, oh damn it, that's what was missing. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it happens, it happens. That's why you gotta be as scientific about it as possible. I've broken down flavors also to terpenes. You know, now we know the existence of terpenes, which are in tomatoes and broccoli and, and every living thing, in, including in cannabis. Yeah. Cannabis is really talked about a lot or terpenes are, a lot, are talked a lot about in the cannabis industry because mm -hmm. that's what you're smelling. So, and there are dozens of different uh, uh, terpenes out there. And terpenes are aromatic acids. So when you break down food to science, and that's what I always do. I love molecular gastronomy, you know, changing things through science to make it look like one thing. I've got some surprises that I'm not allowed to tell you right now, but there there will be wait. there will be some surprises out there. Things that that look like one thing but taste like another and that you're like, "Oh, wait a minute." <laughs> and yeah. and I'm playing with flavors by uh, uh, creating like for example, uh, one thing I think I can tell is uh, an old fashioned that instead of smoking, when you're smoking an old fashioned, you usually smoke it with wood. And, you, and, and depending, and there are different woods that we can use. Even you can be, buy little kits for your home bar where yeah. it comes with a little bit of cherry wood, a little bit of oak wood. You know what I'm talking about. I have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to use different brand uh, uh, tobaccos. So, so different wrappers, different, you know, uh, 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 tobacco leaves. And that's smoking the, 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 the old fashioned. Now, is that for everyone? No. But you don't have to order if you don't like it, you know, if you don't like cigars. But it, I'll be the first to sign up to try one of those. Oh, yeah. I can guarantee that. I'll at least try it. And then, you know, we're smoking it with that, with, with, with let's say, a Honduran leaf. And you're smoking something with a Honduran leaf and a Brazilian wrapper. You know, so, so it, we're, we're going to play around with different things. Yeah. And because fuselage... Is, is fuselage comes from the fuselage of an airplane, the body of an airplane. And, and, and our, um, our theme is a 1940s golden age of aviation. It, it's very art deco. It's very luxury back then. And that kind of service that we got back in the 19th. Where they're serving you a steak on the plane. Yeah. Now, we're not going to have steaks in the lounges where, where you're, you know, you're smoking a cigar. You probably don't want to, to be cutting a steak. If you want to cut a steak, come to the, come to the fuselage. But, but we're, we're going to be doing uh, food from all across the world. And uh, I'm going out 
and taking all those amazing memories that I've had and the amazing experiences of working in different, uh, 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 consulting even for different uh, uh, countries. You know, I did Salvadoran restaurants. I did American. I did, I did stuff from Vegas. So I'm going to be putting stuff on fire too. I'm going to be bringing a little bit of a show. Yeah. You've got to have a show, man. You've got to mm-hmm. have a show. Things like pairing, uh, um, pairing the foods, not just the, the, the drinks. Pairing foods, pairing drinks, pairing desserts. We're going to be very dessert heavy as well. Chocolatiers. We're working with local chocolatiers on great chocolate pairings. So all, everything to, A, I do want to bring a female crowd in. You know, You're going to get that, and that's one thing we should talk about a little bit. I don't mind throwing this out there. Mm. That, Like my wife, that is her biggest complaint. Like my wife is a smoker, not cigars, but she smokes. And she's going to kill me for saying that on the air. Huh. But, you know, it's to get her to come here with me, it has to be an event pretty much. Like, she'll come for the big event. She's supportive. She loves the it's people. Good. Yeah. It's, it's a phenomenal good. cigar. Wow. Like, yeah. Like, these two stay in my rotation. Principal also. Cigars. That's who's... It's their limited edition. One of the main sponsors. That's one of our main sponsors. I like that I didn't even look at the label. It was just a natural, yeah. like, holy shit, this is good. Yeah. Have you met Darren yet? Not yet. He's awesome, dude. Awesome, dude. I got in a lot of shit because... I came to an event and wasn't even thinking about it, and I just wore one of my cigar T-shirts, and I was wearing the wrong brand on the wrong day. But uh, it was funny. I, the guys had a good time harassing me about it. <laughs> but, yeah, like, so my wife's biggest complaint is, like, she doesn't want to come home and, like, her hair, her purse, her clothes, everything smelling like she was leaving a cigar lounge. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's some competitors that have recently opened up shop, and... You know, that's the one thing they had an advantage on. Like, they had these amazing state-of-the-art air filtration systems. Like, you could go in there, everybody's smoking cigars, you can stay there for four or five hours, and you leave there, and you don't smell like you even, I mean, unless you smoked a cigar and breathed on somebody, you don't smell well, like here. Here, they're bringing in this state-of-the-art air filtration system that is constantly refreshing the air and filtering the air, and I can guarantee, like, that's exactly what you're going to get when this is done. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be amazing. I think that alone that's is why it's taking so long. Now. Pandora's box for you. Oh yeah. To where if you bring in these other elements that create these memories mm. and everything else for people, then the women are going to be more open to being around it, yep. trying it, having that experience, because there there are a lot of women that enjoy cigars. Well, and they, they, even if they don't want to enjoy the cigar and just want to enjoy the presence of their husband, their boyfriend, enjoying the cigar, yeah. we, also, we also have cigarillos. Yeah. We, and, and we also have uh, some cigars that are, 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 uh, um, are geared towards the female public. Yeah. Yeah. We have some some with flavors. DC, Sweeters. for example. Yeah. They're, they're sweeter and, and, and they're not swisher sweets. Yeah. You know, no Not hate, no hate here, but uh, 
You yeah. know? <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get any hate on this podcast over there. No, that. no, no, because we may use it for other things. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. but you you don't want to, you know, you, you don't, don't want to do that with this, with this guy. But we do have sweeter ones. Uh, we hand, have Angelique, which is a phenomenal starter cigar for somebody who doesn't want something super flavored. Uh, they don't want to taste blueberries or strawberry or mocha. You but just better like sweet. They like sweet, yeah. You know what I did with that one at the end? At the end, you get to, to a, a pseudo sweet spot. It's what we call the speed spot, but the sweet's all gone from the actual- I didn't make it that far. Sweetened tobacco leaf. I put it in my pipe and I smoked the nub. And Jesus, Mary and Joseph, bro, that was amazing. So, so I'll take your word for that because I that, and I don't talk bad about people's cigars, and I'm not going to talk about it. It was just too sweet for me. Like, well, yeah, there yeah. are a lot of people up here, I won't name names just because I like teasing them about it, but you know. There's a lot of people that that's a cigar that's super approachable, like you said, for somebody that doesn't smoke a lot of cigars. And it was created for women. Do, it's it's guided towards women. It's and, and, just sweet. And what we're going to do is not just, hey, you're going to sit down and smoke a cigar. We're going to pair it with foods, with drinks. We're going to show you an experience of, hey, this is what's going to make this. Like, have you ever had, you know, a cognac with a truffle? And, and then taken a thing, uh, 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 you know, a uh, uh, drag of a cigar. Have you ever had a, a, a piece of, of, of chocolate dipped orange and then had a port wine with it and then taken a drag of a cigar? You know, have you ever bitten into a, a, a mint and then have a drag of cigar? So we're going to give that different kind of experience. We're yeah. going to teach them that... May it be something that you want to do every day, once a week, once a month, once a year. It's something that every time you do it, you're going to remember it. You're going to have a different experience. You're going to be led through a journey. That's why it, the aviation thing, because we're going to take you on a journey through the world, through your palate, through self-knowledge, through product knowledge, through knowledge of food beverage, and cigars. And it's always cigar-centric, but that doesn't mean that if you don't smoke a cigar, you can't come. And especially with the Or that new, you won't enjoy it. The, exactly. The, especially that, well put, that you won't enjoy it. I believe that we're creating an experience for people to enjoy no matter what their cigar experience is. It, it's, it's something that... It'll at least, if you don't start enjoying a cigar, at least you'll understand those who do. And I think an important thing to point out here in all of this is have a conversation. And everybody here is willing to have a conversation with you, and especially everybody on the staff here at Industrial. Have the conversation with them. Nobody here is not approachable, first oh. and foremost. Have a conversation with them. If you've never smoked a cigar, don't come in here and act like a badass and be like, where's your Gurkhas? Or where's your Davidoffs? You know, like... You don't have to put a pose. To. Yeah. We're all teachers here. And, and, and we get a smile on our faces every time we see a newbie because we want to be the ones teaching them. Mm -hmm. We want because we know we're going to teach them right. But it's also like, I look at it like my spirit journey. And I don't mean like, in like 
spiritual world. I mean, spirits, drinking spirits. Oh, I got you. <laughs> so when I started out as a bourbon guy, you know, you get the wrong thing right out the gate. It can ruin you. I mean, like most people start off drinking the common stuff that you drank in high school or college. You know, you got your Jack Daniels, your Crown Royal, your stuff like that. You're mixing it, all this stuff. But if the first time somebody gives you a straight pour of bourbon or whiskey and it's cast strength. Oh, my God. They just effed you. Yeah, I do. mean, like, that's not how you take people down a road. No. And you know what? You're curating these experiences so my advice would be if you've never done this or it's your first time when all this stuff because it's gonna be new to all of us this is an experience they're putting together for the most seasoned to the yep. most rookie that that's person. where the mixology cocktails come in too that's important to say but yeah and telling people that like hey be honest have mm. a conversation with me do you normally drink bourbons What's your experience level? And if you Have don't you... like it, tell me. It's not going to hurt my feelings. Yeah, and because I'll know, I'll know what what you like. You tell know? me what you like and what you didn't like. Like, yeah. it, this is like a lot of things in life. Don't just talk about what you don't like. Go with what you did like out of it. Was there was there one thing you can point out that like, hey, I did like this. Yeah, because giving somebody that little bit of knowledge of like, hey, I really like this. Like, okay, so as a Basil Hayden's. All right, well, you're new then. Like, you want something in that low 80, 90 proof. You, you know, you, you, you don't want something to knock your socks off. Mm -hmm. You just want to enjoy flavors. That's why, why the, the, the mixed cocktails are interesting, too, because mm -hmm. with mixology, I can use some of this, these bourbons, some of these, you know, I mean, any spirits, and, and give them an experience, but it's a little fruitier, it's a little lighter, it's a little more... It's not in your face. It's not in your face, you know, it's a little sweeter, it's, 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 it's got more complexity. Uh, one of my favorite drinks is Vucare. Vucare has uh, um, rye, cognac, uh, the sweet, uh, sweet vermouth, benedictine, pichot bitters, and angostura. So it's, it's very complex. Yeah, it, it was. It's a very Americana drink. It was created in New Orleans. Um, Vucare means the small square, and it was created in the French Square. And uh, uh, so, so it's it's made for you to see all those layers. That may be too much for you. If, yeah. If if you're not if you don't understand what these different things are. So, but I can create a drink that has a little sweet vermouth, a little rye. A little cognac, but then some some uh, uh, the sweetener instead of being the Benedictine, it'll be Contro, and then some Topo Chico to top it off. Top it with Topo, you know. And <laughs> we do the we do the the uh, to, we we top off with Topo. Put a little, you know, and it suddenly it's something aromatic. I'll, I'll throw some mint on it. And 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 bring in those aromas. Um, I'll, I'll throw in a mold. Uh, um, uh, orange uh, peel on it that'll bring out the orange in 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 the the grandma you know you 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 change certain things and and suddenly you have a very spritzer cocktail yeah, you know uh, something uh, refreshing the sazerac you know proper sazerac has absinthe absinthe is very overwhelming for some people and we are going to have an absinthe fountain i have a real big surprise with that um i know 
right, we'll talk later too. But I know one of the guys really bringing back absinthe. It's mm. a master distiller. We need that, to talk to, about that. That we need to talk about. If you're going to do that, then yeah, I, I want to do it the right way. But I also make one. Uh, it's also a, a topo drink where I, I spray some of that absinthe in it. Then I throw a, a little bit of the uh, of a marrow, and uh, and if it's if it's somebody who wants a little more punch, I'll throw in uh, um, sweet beets vodka. Which sweet beets vodka, uh, sweet beets vodka is a Dallas vodka. The owner is from Dallas. It's made in France, but dude, you got to try it. It's it's my favorite vodka. Um, All right. Again, going to small businesses. Yeah. Going to you know the 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 guys who really know who who I can call them, and he'll be here on your your podcast. All right, let's do it. And and so it's creating things for everybody's palate, and it's if it's not on the menu, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm gonna ask you a bunch of questions, and I'll I'll make something for you that's gonna work. Yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of roads to go down. Within just that alone. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, what you've, you've talked about your books like you're writing a book, but you've written some books as yeah, well. Yeah, but they're right? all in Portuguese. So now I'm translating them to English. Okay. What have your books been about so far? Well, um, the first 300, the first 300 victims of... of uh, That's uh, already written. Intense, yeah, that, that one's already written. I'm, I'm adapting it to English, not just translating it because it talks a lot about cults that don't exist in America. So people can't relate to that. They can't relate. So I'm, I'm actually doing an American version where um, I actually added a couple of the American cults that I'm investigating right now. So I'm about 283 right now and, and 285 and uh, uh, getting there with, with a couple more cults. Um, I am uh, uh, translating modus operandi which is the story of the first, you know, half a dozen uh, investigations that I did that got brought to justice and, and some really bad serial sexual predators. And uh, uh, I'm finishing right now Positive Trauma in English, uh, which talks about how is it that we recover? How is it that we heal? Um, and and it, it's all, you know, it talks about Ikigai. And now that since I'm still finishing it, this is going to be there. Yeah. This is going to be there because this is part of my healing process. I've had a tough year. You know, we lost everything. We went from making six figures to not making anything at all to going poor. Last year, we went homeless. We, we literally went from everything or a lot to nothing. You know, we, uh, COVID destroyed our business. And then yeah. after, after COVID, we, uh, the, the distribution channels died. We couldn't get product on, on, our, on, on our shelves. And we really, you know, we were a small business. I didn't have the, you know, I, when I opened the club, I didn't know that all of this was going to happen. Right. So I was uh, uh, taking uh, Rob and Peter to pay Paul. We, we really, we had a really tough year. And, and year and a half. And now, finally, it pays off. I found my guy. I found the place that they're, this, this wonderful family is giving me full reign to create, to be myself, and, uh, and, and this is unpayable. So this is part of my healing. This is part of my book. That's awesome, man. So I, <laughs> ah, you just gave me goosebumps thinking about that. And I, I, mean, I already think the Franks are some of the awesome, most awesome they people are. that I, I know personally. So to hear that, yeah, man, that's, that's amazing. So 
we talk about common sense on here. So, I mean, there's so many times you could have just said, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm done. There's so many, you know, you've had extreme highs and extreme lows. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I saw something the other day online that said something to this. Uh, the percentages are going to be wrong, but it'll be close. 80% of the time, even when you're successful, you feel like you haven't done enough or you're failing. 15% of the time, you feel like it's all gone to shit. Another 5% of the time, you know, you're, you, you, you think it's just barely hanging on. And then like 1% of the time, you got there. Yep. And then it's it's doing that all over again, but it's it's constant failure. But learn a lesson, try again, start over, and and eventually it, it just kind of seesaws yeah, back it and does. forth like that. And if that. you just do good, and how how do it you pays. how do you stay in that zone? How if what, you what are, if you really really do good yeah. and you really care, it ends up paying. People yeah. will see it. People yeah. will see it. Don't, you know, don't stop being good just because society isn't. Don't stop trying just because it looks impossible. You know, don't, don't stop uh, uh, getting education just because the world's getting, looks like it's getting dumber. You know, don't, don't stop loving yourself. It's always, always love yourself. I, have a, uh, I had a vision one day. I was sitting in front of my house, brick house, and the bricks were, every brick was a different color. So there were back bricks, yellow bricks, white bricks, red bricks. And, and I started seeing those bricks as different passages of my life. The black bricks were my darkest traumas. The red bricks were my physical traumas. My white bricks, the white bricks were, were my happy days. And, you know, there weren't as many white bricks. There were a lot of red bricks, a lot of black bricks. White bricks were a little rare. But when you looked at the house, the house was beautiful. And I looked at the house, and I loved that house. And I said, I can't love that house and hate one brick. Self-love is about loving everything, the entire house. Oh, but I, I'm out of, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm overweight right now. Or I'm underweight, or I'm bald, or I'm, you know, I'm not happy, or I'm not going through a divorce. Understand all those things that happen as a brick in the wall. You can't take a brick out. It's there. It's fixed. It's there forever. So you got to just fight to get other colored bricks in there so you can make the house you love. And again, you can't love that house and hate one brick. You gotta love everything you've been through. Absolutely, man. What's a what's a normal day look like for you? Like right are now, you one of those, are you one of those people though? When I when I ask this, I want to give a little preface this because you could go anywhere with that. But what's a day like? Are you a guy that journals a lot? I mean, you're you're a writer, so like, do you? I journal? have to. Are you super planned out? Are you a guy that's very scheduled? Are you not scheduled? Like, what is a day? Walk people through a day. Yeah, no, scheduling is very important. It's very, organization is very important. Um, I, I get a little anxious when it's out of my hands. Like, 
Uh, right now, I'm waiting for a distributor to get back to me for me to be able to get the final, you know, menu together. And I can't do anything. Uh, I, there's a lot of hurry up and wait in my in this industry. So oh, and you got construction going on. So oh, I got construction, construction going on. So like, yeah. Always. So it's like, okay, if uh, I can't do this until I get that done. So I try to do as much as I can and plan as much as I can ahead. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I've got like 100 plates planned and I know we're only going to choose a, a fraction of that, but yeah. I'd rather have. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going through a lot of planning, a lot of meeting with vendors right now, a lot of, you know, talking to local vendors. That's something that, that if I went to a big distributor, I wouldn't have to worry about. Uh, they, they, they could get me everything frozen and everything, like, but that's not what we're doing. So, so I have a, my, my, my job is I'm going out and talking to a lot of local, local local vendors so i can see where what distribute what small distribute so this is gonna be a go very to. seasonal menu too oh yeah yeah very dynamic menu yeah. very dynamic it's menu, not gonna be sure. the same all the time no 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 it's for not sure. gonna be the same probably month to month even. no no for sure yeah all right so day in your life what's what's this look like well right now talking to vendors uh, uh no, but i mean like do you Maybe break it down a little more. Like when you wake up, like you oh, have okay, like six a.m. Oh yeah, yeah, six a.m. I wake up every day, six a.m. Uh, my kids are waking up at that time. Uh, Got to get the kids ready for school. I've got three kids: sixteen, fourteen, eleven. Um, I am uh, going out and and you know like uh, uh, making sure they're dressed, brush their teeth, you know, all of that. Yeah. Do, doing the dad duties. Uh, then, you know, I, I look at my emails for a little second there. I uh, take a shower, get ready, and, and get ready for the meetings of the day. Um, I, I Now I've been starting by, by talking to vendors because I want to do vendors during business hours. Then I have to be, pick the kids up, or my, my, my youngest in school because we don't get the bus over there for her. So it's it's been... Uh, and then over here, you know, after that, talking to a lot of the customers, seeing what they like to do, and 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 where do you break in personal time? And oh, it, well, uh, right now, very little of it. <laughs> right now, but it's a phase. Okay. You've got to be able to identify what's a phase and what isn't. You know, and now right now it's a phase. It's a few weeks until we open, but when we get there. I'll, I'll give, but I always give them time. I always give them quality time. Got you. So, what would be, what would be one of the lower points? Like something that you thought was a a block in the road, a, a boulder in your path well, that you thought was like, I don't know, but that ended up being a major stepping stone. Because it was like one of those moments where you're like, man, I really COVID. Thought- COVID was one of those. We okay. we it destroyed our business, but it put me, you know, towards my ikigai. Okay. You know, um, and I absolutely hate to do this. I have to run to the restroom real fast. No worries. Had a lot of water and coffee before you I came it. over here. Get it. <laughs> Biz and I can hold down the fort. We've done this oh, before. I've never done this in so many years. You're good, man. What? He took a potty break, man. It's number two in the history of the show. What's up, Biz? Commercial. We ain't got no commercials. All right, who we got on here? We got Brian. We got Paul. What's up, Brian? What's up, Paul? 
Paul, pursue will always steer you in the direction to pursue for what you care for. Absolutely, man. Thank you guys for tuning in. I you can't tell me it. these dudes are not interesting. This dude is super interesting, man. Like, every time I sit down with him up here smoking a cigar, I'm like, what the fuck am I going to learn today? I met him before everybody else did. I met him the day that he came up here to actually talk about the position before Joseph, before anybody. Me and him sat and talked for like an hour. And yeah. I kind of found out his background and everything. So when he was talking about the trip to Brazil, I was telling him that me and my son want to take a father-son trip to Brazil. Yeah. He says, just let me know. I mean, we can go. And all this. I was like, all right. You know, Why don't you cool. just come with me and TJ and we'll go do we, we going? ayahuasca journey and everything. I'm not. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> I don't know if I want to smoke and shit for three days. Like that's I. I did that before my colonoscopy. I don't want to do it in a spiritual level. Just have a little bit. Like you said, if it's really good and you know the right doctor, you shouldn't be doing all that. <laughs> but I'll come back a different person is what I hear. Because you told me about this whole. What's up, Freezy? Just okay. Well, we may try it, but. Yeah, definitely. A, he's a different dude. Yeah, but a dude that has overcome so much. And you told me about the fire, the insurance, all that stuff. And I was just like, you know, he's he and I say this all the time. He's a prime example of if you think you got problems, if all of us took our problems and put them in the middle of the table. You, yeah. want your, you, you would want your problems back because you never know what nobody else yeah, is Yeah, you don't through. know what's, what everybody else is going through. And when, when somebody drops stuff like that, I mean, and he's, he, like I said earlier, he shared, it and I know, I got he shared it in such a, I want this to help other people. And you can see that he's truly gone through all those processes of getting to that point. And it comes across that genuinely. That's why I'm really curious to see what he says when you ask him the questions. Oh, I know. <laughs> That's right. going to be dope. Uh, back to you. All right. I drink a lot of water during the day, especially if I'm doing tastings like I was today, because imagine I'd be slurring my words if I... <laughs> and... Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> well, well, welcome going back. Going back. Going back. Now we've got another two hours in us. <laughs> yeah, we a whole another two hours. You guys better strap in, all of you that are watching right now. <laughs> Man, I don't even know where to go next with you, but this has been a lot of fun, man. I've enjoyed hearing, like, the Iki God. Like, where did you first learn about that? Like, if Thank somebody wanted asking. to look into that, like, where is that? A, is that a book? Is it a mm. story? You can actually just Google it. Okay. But I had a How go- do you spell Iki? I-K-I-G-A-Y, I believe. Iki God, or G-A-Y. Uh, I'm dyslexic as hell, so okay, no worries. But um, we, I'm sure if you start typing that in, it'll I K I G A I, I believe. Uh, the I discovered that through a friend of mine who who was one of the greatest people I've ever met, and uh, he unfortunately passed away at a very young age, but but he transferred that to me, and uh, through through the years uh, I. I started collecting the best philosophies in the world. Um, there's a philosophy also. They call it a religion, and I don't, I'm not a religious man. I'm a spiritual man. I don't like to talk about religions in, in a way where I, I don't have any flags. I just I, I, I take the best out of all of them. And uh, there's a religion called uh, Seisho no Ye, also a Japanese religion. But I see it more as a philosophy. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and one of the 
amazing things about Seishunoye is it, it talks about how you have to forgive your parents, how you have to honor your parents. Because I, they believe, and I believe too, that we're all spiritual beings and that we come onto this earth and our parents are the gateway to this earth. Okay. And, and, and their physical selves are a, a product of what they went through in their childhood, in their environment, and all of that. Uh, so they may make mistakes. But spiritually, they were your gateways into this earth. So you got to honor that in them. That's why I have so much, I have a great relationship with my dad today. Great relationship. Talk to him every day. Was he the best dad? No. Did he make mistakes? A ton. Am I going to keep living in the past? No. The important thing is the man who is today loves me. Yeah. He regrets not having done certain things. He, he, he asked me for forgiveness. Uh, my mom doesn't have that, that, that in her. Um, I don't think I'm, I'm ever going to hear that from her. But I'm also not expecting it. Yeah. If, if tomorrow she just came in and said, you know what, um, can we start from scratch? I don't need to hear the words, forgive me. Yeah. I just need to go and say, okay, you're, you're good now. Yeah. Let's go forward. Yeah. Start from here. Start from here. You know, but she doesn't get that. Yeah. Because she had so many flaws. Um, so, so uh, uh, you know, it's it's uh, Seishunoye teaches you that that you have to honor them for that and not live the the uh, uh, bad feelings of oh I had a bad mom I had a bad dad but live the feelings of look I, I made it through and I'm yeah. glad uh, I'm glad that I had that this opportunity. You learned what you didn't want or you didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can mm-hmm. look at it that Dude, way, too. I'm a dad so different than my, my parents. Yeah. I kiss my kids so much to yeah. the point where my 16-year-old is like, oh, don't touch me now. You know, it's too yeah. much. Yeah, Dad, don't do this at the school. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll pick him up, put him on my lap and say, oh, my little baby, you know, and, and, and embarrass him in front of his friends sometimes. Like, like he was pouring. I, I, was, I was at, he, he's working at a Starbucks, so he was making the coffee and pouring the caramel. I'm like, and, and purposely, of course, I knew that I could do this in front of these friends. And I was like, Oh, he looks so cute putting that caramel in there. Oh, I'm so proud. Oh, look at how he blends, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, he knows I'm thoroughly joking. roasting him. Yeah, th- yeah, roasting. He knew it was a roasting thing, yeah. but it was a loving thing, you know. And I, I tell my kids I love them every single damn day of their lives. Yeah, because that's ultimately that's what everybody everybody wants to feel loved. Everybody wants to feel acceptance. Yes. And they want to feel like they're doing something that has a purpose. Mm-hmm. That hopefully aligns with one of their passions. Three Ps, you know, right there. So, like, yeah, I mean, like, that's what everybody, no matter how different all of us are, that's essentially, at the end of the day, what all of us are looking for. Now, how do you know you're not passionate about something if you haven't tried it? Yeah, and where, and, it, and if you don't feel like you're really passionate about anything... What do you try next? Yeah. 
you Look, know, like I, I tried band. I didn't like band. But, you know, and I wasn't the best at it. But today I can talk about playing the sax because I, I did. And, and I, I'm not an ignorant at it. You know, I, I've tried things that I wasn't crazy about. But how would I know that I wasn't crazy about it if I didn't try it? And then yeah. I tried things that I thought I'd never be crazy about, like a cigar. I was like, oh, man, you know, uh, I have, like golf. <laughs> golf. I tried golf, but <laughs> didn't work. Didn't work out. Oh, you just need to hang out with Andrew a little I, bit. I, I was just trying to be too white. <laughs> and it didn't work out for me. And and uh, But I got the cigars out of it. I was like, oh, okay, this ain't too bad. And uh, then I had the opportunity to remodel a cigar shop with my construction company. And over $1,500 of, what, what, uh, of the contract was in cigars. In store credit. So I said, you know what? I'm going to learn this shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I started going in and I was smoking five cigars a day and learning it and really getting to know. Uh, and, and they didn't have an exhaust system. So yeah. I was I was coming in and getting yelled by my wife every night. Take your stuff Take off your in the stuff. garage. Yes, exactly. I had to literally strip down in the garage. and and uh, But I learned everything I needed there. So then I brought it out into my life, you know, and, and it's about going out of your comfort zone. You got to go out of the comfort zone. One thing that irritates me in America, and this is something that is, is almost exclusive to Americans. I've been throughout the world and this is a, uh, uh, I'm not making a, I'm not, I'm not trying to diss Americans. I am giving an advice to Americans because I see patterns and i see that one pattern i see here in america the most is this is the country i've been to that i've seen the most amount of people that haven't left the country you have not traveled internationally enough period period because when you do it opens your mind and it's not i'm not talking about cancun and paris i'm talking talking about go and see the reality of life in south america go and take a trip to a favela Go and take a trip to Eastern Europe. Go and take a trip to Japan. Learn. You know, nowadays it's cheaper than ever to travel. And, and even if, you know, Japan is too expensive, you know, there are so many trips to, to Europe right now. They're like 500 bucks both ways. And, and you can stay at an Airbnb and you don't have to take a trip for a month. Go for three days, for five days. Go and experience life in other countries. Absolutely. Make friends internationally. Put yourself in other people's shoes and you will discover a new life. You just remind me, I met a guy and a uh, husband and wife from Portugal mm. that were in Mexico when we were down there for Brian's birthday party. My favorite countries in the world. And I was talking about how much I love Spain. He's like, well, you got kind of Portugal. My wife had done, studied abroad in Spain and like, well, Portugal was okay. He's like, no, what part did you go to? Yeah. Well, the part he's in is different than, uh, we'll just say he's in the north. She yeah. went to the south and he's like, it's completely different. Yeah. It's a whole nother world. Come be friends with us. And like, this guy still keeps in touch with me. Like the other day, he's like, hey, check out my friend's band. Because when we were down there, when I found out he was from Portugal, I was like, you speak Portuguese, right? He's mm -hmm. like, yeah. I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to text my older brother, Dean, right now. Oh, yeah. Give me the lingo here. And, like, he was typing this stuff. My brother was like, 
who the hell are you with right now? Like, (laughs) how are you doing this? And I was just blasting him. But the other day he texted me, sent me a message. was like, hey, check out my best friend's band. And like, it sounded really cool. I have no idea what the hell they were saying because they're a Portuguese rock band. So it's all in Portuguese. So I have no idea what they're saying. Sounds pretty good. I'll have to pass it on to you because maybe it's something you'll enjoy. Yeah. I have yeah. no idea. I'm now I've been loss. to Portugal. I love Portugal. Love Portuguese food. I was actually looking at some uh, bacalao distributors today. Uh, probably and more towards the end of the year, we're going to be able to get some. That's the other thing with working with fresh stuff and 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 seasonal stuff. You're not. We're not going to get everything we want all year long. There's going to be a lot of. There are going to be a lot of seasonal items in the menu that yeah. that you get it while you get it. When you don't, you need you to know. have like some late night shawarma up here too. Like oh yeah! Oh look, my 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 mother's father's side of the family is Lebanese. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about. There. I was born in the biggest Lebanese colony outside of Lebanon in Brazil. There are more Lebanese and and uh, now like there's a big concentration of of. Uh, 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 Israelis and Lebanese that are going down there right now. My father-in-law is full Jordanian mm. and was raised in Lebanon. Mm. So I you know what to, I mean. I went to Jordan a couple years ago. You know, my, you know my second favorite dessert. I already told you, acai is number one. Number two is kanafe. Oh yeah, kanafe. Kanafe. Like that, I, w- I would weigh three hundred pounds if, oh, if yeah. I had regular access to like homemade badass kanafe. Yeah, like. I started calling it Arabic donuts. Ah, like, ah, 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 their lady that would make breakfast, I'm like, what do you want? I'm like, uh, is there some more of that kanafe? She's like, you want that for breakfast? I'm like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and that's the beauty of having small dishes is you can get a little bit of hummus, a little bit of babaganoush, a little bit of kanafe. That's where little, Europe yeah. does it so much better. Like you yes. have all these little tapas. Tapas, that's the that's they the do They do holiday better, vacation for Americans. Oh, they they yeah. get way more of it than us. They they work just enough to live. They don't live to work. Yeah, like they've got shit figured out way better than us. Like Siestas. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> they, they have siestas. They like their lifestyle is so different. Like when you see that, you're like, God, I get two weeks of vacation and like like this was about like they got six weeks. Like that's like their basic package. Like, yeah, you're out of college and like well, starting up and like they do it and they just they take these holidays and like they leave for like three weeks and they travel the world like granted texas is like half the size of europe like almost you know so yeah. it's like but they can like hop borders in two three hours they get on a train whatever yep. take a little flight i've done that been there done that completely different country yeah 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 you go through switzerland in a day you know you I've been through going through from France to Switzerland and back and and you know you stop at these little places the beauty of, of Europe is a lot of times especially in, in in middle Europe there when you I mean no everywhere I I haven't had a bad meal in Europe you know yeah. it's it's Portugal the the uh, bacalao yeah. with or that with uh, so what, like baklava no, no, no. It's it's a codfish. Okay. Yeah, we in we, we call it bacalhau in Portuguese, in English bacalhau, um, and uh, it's it's a salted codfish that we make it a million different ways. And uh, the one of the best and most popular is the bolinho de bacalhau. It's like this 
bacalao croquette. But like a box of, of bacalao is, is like 800 bucks. So, and especially during, during now end of the year, it's the time where bacalao is our turkey. Okay. Like everybody, but it's a lot better than turkey. <laughs> okay. Now it's harder to find than turkey because you also salt it and then you have to rehydrate it. It's a lot harder to make than turkey. Um, it, you know, you think turkey takes a long time, two to four hours. Bacalao takes days because you've got to unsalt it first. And then you're rehydrating and then you decide how you're going to make it. And then you, you either cook it or you, you grill it or you, you bake it. Uh, uh, so so bacalao is like, like a paella. It's not something you, you're going to come in and simply order unless it's a, a store that all they do is that. But, but bacalao is one of those, uh, a paella, you got to order it two hours in advance. Right. You got to say, and we, we may have paella nights over here, but it's going to be something for people who reserve a seat, who tell us, oh, we're going to be here at eight, at 10, at seven, and then we're going to be making it two hours early because that's how long it takes to make a, a real paella. I refuse to cut corners. I refuse to make this this uh, instead of using saffron, just just use you know food coloring to make it. No, no, no. It's an experience. Yeah. It's got to have. It's got to be crunchy. It's got to be chewy. It's got to have all the best uh, uh, the best seafood in it. You know, it, we we're it, whenever we do something, it's gonna be top yeah. notch. Brian, I don't think that's the same box of salted fish. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Anyway, I'm scared to ask. Yeah, we're 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 gonna, <laughs> we're gonna let that one die right there. All right, man, we got to wrap this up. Uh, we could go on for hours. We'll definitely have to have you back on the show for after sure. you guys get the other side open up. We'll have you come back on. Tell us about how things are going after you get it all rocking. Teach people how to make stuff at home yeah. and and uh, teach people how to pair things. Talk yeah. more about some local uh, spirits. And, and talk about healing. And, and, yeah. and if you're listening right now and you have a story about how you heal through music, through food, through cigars, through spirits, through connection, if you want to tell that story, hit them up. Because yeah. you could get some really interesting stories. A lot of times we, don't, we have no idea who's even in the lounge over here. Because right. people over here, they're, they're trying to, to, to show their best sides. But then when you start really probing and understanding who those people are yeah i've heard some interesting stories there's so many of them up here everybody's like where do you find all these guests i'm like man most of the time i'm sitting in the lounge and someone says you need to talk to so-and-so or well, and, you know or then so-and-so reaches out hey i heard you have a podcast i'd really like to talk about xyz you know like that's that's priceless i mean and and now people you know, we've been around a little over a year now, so now people are saying, you know, I'd really like to hear so-and-so on here. I want to hear their story. And look, our stories That's help great. people heal. That's what it's all about, brother. I, I heard stories of other survivors, and I've got another uh, uh, tattoo here that says survivor. Not victim. Yeah. Survivor. I was a victim while I was going through it. Now I'm a survivor. And there's so many survivors out there that are super successful executives, super successful small business owners and that have done it and and just like you asked me what is it that you did you gotta ask them too 
Yeah. And 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 you can't tell that through a a shallow conversation. That's one I one of the things I love about this this industry and this place so much. We get into so many deep conversations. We get into conversations without prejudice and like none, uh, just a, none. like everybody feels comfortable having the conversations. None. Which is why I started the podcast because it's like we're having these amazing conversations that other people could learn from or. Maybe they find the answer they've been looking for. Maybe they find that little bit of healing or, hey, man, he did this. If he, you know, my, you know, I thought my shit was bad, but that ain't as bad as what he did. And if he, you know, if, if, if Ferrari's doing this now. Yeah. And Ferrari's in this place and he was, you know, he went through all that. Like, I got to be able to do the same for myself. Yeah. So I just people hearing that and knowing that, then it's easy to have that you know, human relation where, you know, you can speak to each other and not, there's not all these prejudices. There's not all this. No judgment. The, the, well, I don't want to say there's no judgment up here because there is some judgment. Like, but you can have, you know, when you sit down with certain people, you just know. Like, but the judgment you're gonna comes feel from like the assholes which we filter out. And, and, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not, I don't want to. There's always going to be assholes yeah. that are going to judge. I don't want to say there's none. But we, like, we filter those out. Yeah. That's the beauty of this is we're not going after the money of the people. And I've seen them since I got here. They're, a member can be fired. Yeah. A yeah. Member and can it, be happens. Fired. it happens. It happens. And that's why I respect this place so much because they're pragmatic about not about making money, but about making memories. Yeah. If you have an asshole in the middle, you're going to have a hard time making that memory. Yeah. So, so instead of getting raunchy and, and hatchet, they will, they'll cut a member off if yeah. that member doesn't know how to, how to behave. And it could be the highest paying oh, yeah. supporting oh, member yeah. in here. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I love this place is where we, we really care. Because we're looking at the long run, man. We're not looking at tomorrow. We're looking at... Three, you have a 10-year plan. Yeah. What company has a 10-year plan? The Frakes. The Frakes. For sure. And I also had a 10-year plan to bring with myself. You know, yeah. in 10 years, I want to have at least half a Michelin star. Because I know I can. I know that we can, we can give that experience. We're yeah. going to open other, 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 uh, 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 other stores. And we're going to be able to fine-tune that thing within the next 10 years which is not a big ask and we're going to be able to do that and that's yeah. where i want you know i want everybody who's part of this experience to be a part of the construction yeah. of that company yeah absolutely oh no i damn it sarah i wish i hadn't even read that so apparently my wife's challenging you to a hummus off Mm. So I like that. We already talked about you guys coming over to the house, so you're, we're gonna have to do I that. I would love like, that. I love a I good think, hummus. Sarah, you might have just bit off more than you can chew with that no, one. No, I no, mean, look, half Jordanian, but I mean, you might have bit off. Jordanian, a too Jordanian hummus is good. Look, there, there. It's rare to find bad, terrible hummus unless it's, it it comes in a store. But like when it's cooked at home. I haven't had a homemade, a bad homemade hummus. They're just different. One has yeah. more garlic. The store bought ones though. No, like, no, the God, store bought. Like, yeah, let's not get there. And let's some of the restaurants, it's like, what are you putting out? Like, yeah, 
But when it's made at home, oh, man. I haven't had a bad hummus. When or people, grape leaves. Oh, oh, my God. Don't get me started on that. I, I, uh, I love my, my dolmas and my, yeah. So, so, yeah, no, I'd love to. Sarah, please invite me over. I can't wait. And uh, anything, Habibi, you can make. I will, I will, I will consume it. Oh man, he even dropped the Habibi. Habibi, I love yeah. it. I love it. All right, well, we gotta wrap this up. Shukram. We gotta wrap this up. We could go all night. So, there's two things I typically ask people at the end of the show. All right. So it's common sense podcast. The first one I'm gonna ask you, so we can wrap this up, is if you got to leave your children with one piece of advice tonight, what would that be? Look for your ikigai. I knew you were going to say that. I don't know why. I've never known what the person was going to say, and I knew that's what he was going to say. I love it. I Look love for it. your ikigai, and if I have a second one, is know that daddy, daddy loves you. Yeah. You're loved. And everybody on here, I suggest, like, do some more research on ikigai. I know I'm going to. I want to know more about this. I think it's super interesting. All right. Last but not least. We've talked for a long time. We've talked a little over two hours. You might have the longest podcast out yet. Wouldn't be the first you, time. <laughs> you, 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 we've rocked this. So, Common Sense, the podcast. We ask everybody. And you can go wherever you want with this. Maybe it's something you wanted to say tonight that I didn't ask you. Maybe it's something that because of this show, you felt inspired to say it, tell it, give the story, whatever. But well, we ask everybody to end the show with giving us your two cents. All right. Well, my two cents is that we have become too sensitive of, of a society. Um, the, the good things that we've gone through in this beautiful, wonderful country that we live in. America is truly, if it weren't the land of the free, I wouldn't be here. So, so we, we, we have bipolarized this country too much. And what made us so beautiful was, was being a melting pot. And today, we are a TV dinner. So, so what I ask people is to take your, your shields down for a second. Live the moment. Try to, to really understand. Read the room and read life. We're going through life without reading it. We're going through life just... Uh, living our projections, but not living our moments. And it's time to live the moment. And if we live the moment compassionately and, and uh, bringing in our three Ps of happiness and really caring about self-love, we're going to live happier lives. And my, my two cents is let's all live a happier life together. Absolutely. Julio, I can't thank you enough, man. I've had a blast sitting Bro, with you. It was we'll wonderful. do it again for sure. For sure. All of you that tuned in, thank you so much. We really appreciate all your support. We're going to be bringing it back next week again on Thursday. You might have a different backdrop. I'm not sure yet. There's a lot of stuff going on around here. But you're going to have a show nonetheless next week. And... This guy, we've been working hard to get him on here, scheduling it. You guys have Jason Koloski coming on next week, former Marine recon owner of Watchtower Firearms. You gun guys, military guys, people that are fascinated with stuff. 
He served on several Secretary of Defense councils. So with everything going on in the world today, I guarantee you don't want to miss that one because there's no telling what a guy that's ex-Marine, recon, owns a gun company that sells and manufactures really badass American-made guns, affiliates himself with nothing but the best. It's going to be a good show. So hope you guys will join us again next week. Until then, peace and be safe. Peace.